0: Hey, y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, April 19th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee on today's show. Got a great show for you guys uh, enveloping the NFL, uh, our Tuesday NFL show that we do. Um, with a variety of guests in the offseason, with uh, Mr. Evan Swords of 49ers Hub uh, joining us this week to talk all things NFL and a lot of Lions stuff because he's quite familiar with those Detroit Lions. Ty Schalter is here at 538 among uh, a plethora of other great outlets. So, appreciate Ty uh, making the time today. So, very excited to talk with Ty and uh, Evan on today's edition of the program. Don't forget, folks, if you'd like to watch this program, you can do so. Very easy. YouTube.com. Type in the Chase Thomas Podcast. That simple. Hit that subscribe button. Never miss a future episode that way. You can also, uh, if you have not already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. You can also help this show in a really easy, quick way. So go ahead and hit that pause button and make sure... That you leave this show a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Uh, it would help a lot, it helps other people find the show, and helps this show continue to grow. Uh, don't forget, folks, if you'd like to read me, I'm writing quite heavily at the newsletter that is the main focus in terms of the writing front. So, Sports Renaissance Man, that's me, Sports Renaissance Man. Com. Type in your email, never miss an issue. All kinds of great written content coming to you on that front. So, Again, support to renaissance man. Type in your email. Make sure you're subscribed. That would also be a great way to support uh, myself and what I'm doing. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go.
1: Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate I already hate it. I hate it. All
0: right we are back here on the Monday afternoon the Chase Thomas's birthday edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast so that is a thing I'm always working I thank you guys thank you thank you um, you can see Ty and Evan giving me a golf clap there on the YouTube page so when you if you want to watch this very podcast you can do so you, youtube.com the chase Thomas podcast but um, yeah 31. I am now closer as the girlfriend reminded me last night. I am closer to 40 than I am 20. And that is a wild, wild I you, thought. I think
2: you have to fight her.
0: You have to fight her. for <laughs> saying that. But you know what's funny? My mom told me that, because uh, I think Samantha asked her, not the last time she talked or saw my mom, what years were her favorite, what decades. My mom's favorite decades were 30s and 40s and it was it, it for me like i loved being 30 i love getting older and i also love working on my birthday i don't know why people take the day off or like holidays are my nightmare where like i weekends are a struggle for me because it's hard for me not to be productive and do stuff um so people are like oh why are you recording on your birthday why not i like doing podcasts and i like uh writing and creating content so that's what we're doing uh Ty is Sch- here ty how are you doing sir
1: I'm doing great. Uh, um, it's it's kind of across the finish line moment because you know, yesterday was Easter and mm. uh, also me and my wife's uh, anniversary. So like happy anniversary, man! I say thank you, thank you. And so now yeah, now it's like Monday and like kind of getting back into normalcy and uh, just kind of get back into the groove here and uh, gearing up for draft and everything else.
0: There you go. There you go. Almost draft time. Almost draft time. We're almost there. And Mr. Evan Swords is also here. Evan, how are you, sir?
2: Doing well, man. Doing well. Good to talk to you.
0: So I want to start, Ty. We've talked a lot about the team that you cover a lot, the Detroit Lions. And I have had some, maybe not even against the grain takes on the Lions of late, but I think they're in a really interesting spot Dan Campbell's quotes will always get pulled out of context. You'll always read them and you're like, that's not a real thing. And the latest one was like, you don't need an elite quarterback to have sustained success in the NFL. And you're like, oh, that's something a coach says before he gets fired. That's not good. That's not (laughs) something you say out loud. That's not a thing that a Lions fan wants to hear. Um, I want to start with your thing, because we always kick things off with the state of our team, the Falcons and the 49ers. But the team that you're, I would assume, the most familiar with Ty, the Detroit Lions, where... Where are you at with them? Do you are you excited about this draft process? Do you think they surprise some folks and go quarterback? Is there any chance of that? Do they roll 17 games with Jared Goff? Is that really something that they can do to their fans? 34 consecutive games of Jared Goff. Can it happen? What, uh, what do you make of them right now?
1: Yeah, I think there's always that because I've been national but also like i started as an indie lions blogger <laughs> back um like the day after they went oh in 16 and then within a couple of years i was doing national stuff and so like i've always kind of walked that line between okay i understand the national perspective i understand the local perspective and you know when matt patricia was hired he came in saying a lot of things and saying a lot of similar stuff about culture and uh you know want to do this i want to do that and it's kind of like okay cool well like what's what's the first big test of a new coach, well, what kind of staff do they bring in? Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was doing um, the Lions podcast on The Athletic with Chris Burke, who's still their Lions writer. You know, and we're kind of like, well, the, the what we're going to look for is, you know, does he bring in anybody except Patriots? You know, does mm-hmm. he bring in um, diverse candidates does he bring in a mix of different viewpoints and styles you know um and to, and it's like okay cool uh he brings in nobody who didn't either play for the patriots coach with the patriots play for syracuse coach for syracuse and neither played <laughs> nor coached with him at any point in his career like that's n1 black guy mm-hmm. and it's kind of like okay well this isn't a great first sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess we'll see. And like it wasn't a great second sign and it wasn't a great third sign, you know. But he gets up on a podium and says a bunch of, you know, acceptable nothings. And you go, okay, well, I guess we'll see. And Dan Campbell comes out, you know, hard on his sleeve. Um, I think hard knocks, people are going to see that, you know, it's not an act. It's not goofiness. It's not, you know, he doesn't know how to control himself in front of a mic. It's, it's genuine. I think people in the building and that goes from players to executives to media go, Oh yeah, this is the guy. Like, this is just him. He's just being honest. Like he cuts out like 80% of the profanity when he gets behind the mic, but this is him and people see that. And like, who did he bring in? A bunch of ex players, a bunch of guys he played with and coached with, but from around the league you know there's a bunch of different styles and a bunch of different ideas and, and from diverse backgrounds and and you can see how well that's worked in a lot of ways and some things haven't worked um but you know the decisions being made around that make sense and when things haven't worked he's changed tactics you know um So I think that's all very encouraging. I think the culture that he's building is not a culture of everybody listen to me, because I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of the Patricia approach. The culture he's building is everybody go be our best. Everybody go give their most. Everybody be a part of the community, you know, and so that that's all cool. Um, I think Lions fans and media have been asked to be patient for decades So being asked to be patient is not something they're interested really in hearing. And I think national media are going, okay, well, until I start seeing wins, I can pretty much write these guys off. I think, I think both is kind of a mistake because you can see some real progress. You can see some things, you know, I was as unrelentingly critical of Jared Goff as anybody else across the first half of that season. And I was sitting there going, this is not good enough. This is not NFL caliber. And, like, literally anybody would be just as good. You know, you go to Mm -hmm. Tim Boyle, you go to – you anyway. So, like – but then you also have to go watch that Arizona Cardinals game. Goff played very good football uh, Mm -hmm. for 60 minutes. And they easily beat a team that is far more talented than them and has a lot more difference makers. So, it's like, okay, the arrows are all pointing up here. But the free agency was uh, reward – the players, they're bringing in guys who are on prove-it deals. They're bringing in mm-hmm. guys who have chips on their shoulders. They reward all those guys, which is great because that creates a culture and an expectation. You go out and get a guy like DJ Chark. Like, okay, he's on a prove-it yeah. deal. He's on a prove-it deal. And if he proves it, he's going to get paid. That means something to these guys. But then also, there's not else. There's not a whole lot besides that, right? right. So you're, you're looking at this team that is supposed to be in talent acquisition mode. And, and you kind of got one foot, you, you know, you're still looking at foundation laying. You're still looking at moves around the margins. You're still looking at, at, at building the culture. Quarterback. You know, I don't think, I don't think there's a quarterback they can defensively, defensively take at two um, the, the kind of multi-year plan or that, Hey, we get Jared Goff, We get a first-round draft pick in 2022. We get a first-round draft pick in 2023. We can take whichever guy we like out of 2021, 2022, 2023. So reaching for a quarterback at number two this year when there isn't one anywhere close enough to good enough would be kind of the dumbest (laughs) outcome of what was a pretty shrewd move to put yourself in that position. So I think the smart play is to kick the can down the road or – Maybe you get somebody at the bottom of the first with the Rams first rounder or, you know, top of the second and you go, look, Matt Coral is not putting Jared Goff in the unemployment employment. Matt Matt Coral is not going to come out here week two and blow people's doors off and lead us to the promised land. We are not going to fire Dan Campbell. If Matt Coral does not become a pro bowler, but Matt Coral might be the guy you go. All right, cool. He's our new backup. He's going to develop. We're going to see what happens next year. We're going to have an out after this year with Jared Goff's contract. And, you know, we'll see what we can see. And maybe this, you know, maybe it's dull, you know, and then it doesn't preclude you. It doesn't preclude you from going, Hey, we have two first round draft picks. Uh, we finished. We've got, we're holding the sixth because things didn't go that well. We can move up to one if we want and take whoever we want. So I think, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of the play. I think they take a quarterback, but I would be very surprised if it's two or even if they trade down five or six, you know, try and get in front of, you know, stay in front of Carolina. I still don't see them taking the quarterback in front of Carolina.
2: So hmm. I'm, I'm a, I'm, a obvious, I'm an Oregon guy, right? So like I'm obviously a Penn Soul fan. Um, First off, how, how do you feel after watch a year of Penne uh, under <laughs> under under the belt? Where are you with that? And what 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 do you say about just closing the loop here? And let's go ahead and go go get another Oregon guy, and you know, with the with your first pick and taking uh, Kayvon Thibodeau.
1: Yeah, I love Sewell. I mean, he's a hundred percent as advertised. Um, it was a weird situation, of course, because you have Taylor Decker was holding down the left side, and you go, okay, you got a Pro Bowl left tackle, not an like elite, elite, but like you know next tier, solid. You know, do you really want to take a guy who is on the left who opted out that year? Now you make him switch positions. A lot of prominent O linemen in the media were like, drafting a career left tackle to make him play right is like, not, nah. Yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> preseason pretty rough. You know, and then once the ammo went live, Stud Stone Cold Stud played his brains out. Uh, you know, played left tackle till Decker was healthy switched over right tackle, played great. You know, they, they and then moved back to left. It was like, whatever you asked him to do, he did it great. The fire, the spirit, you can tell he's, and then you talk about hard knocks. Again, Pene Sewell is going to be a guy who is going to put some good tape in terms of conversation and, and leading the locker room and that kind of thing. So he looks like he's going to be a stud, multi-year pro, you know, multi-time pro bowler, potentially an all pro guy, um, 10, 15, 20 years. Like he, he looks like the answer to the problem at left tackle and you got two pro bowl tackles. So that's great situation. Thibodeau is fascinating to me. Um, I've been speaking with a lot of different evaluators that I like and trust. And for me, I think Thibodeau has the highest ceiling of any hmm. of the three top pass rushers. He's got that natural natural get off, just that burst that first step that you cannot teach. And, you know, it's not like either of the other two guys or suddenly mm-hmm. Julian Johnson becomes this four guys we have now. I don't really believe that, but, uh, you know, like uh, the, the, the athleticism is there. The bend is there. He could do whatever he wants. And, you know, depending on whether it's the Rorschach test of, is he taking plays off or is he maybe trying to be too much of a technician? You know, is he trying to win with like, I'm trying to show what a well-developed pass rusher I am? Versus just beating the draw off a guy, just just hmm. beating a dude, just just blowing his doors off because you're faster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that becomes more of a coaching mindset approach um, off the field. A lot of the questions honestly reminds me a lot of Indominus Sue. Um, I was an indie blogger for you know for the Lions and getting freelance pieces and 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 doing some professional stuff and and getting invited to some things. Another Oregon
2: guy, but just in a
1: different way. More <laughs> right, right, right. In a different way, for sure, for sure. And, uh, and, you know, and it's it's that same sort of thing where Sue came into the league and was like, all right, cool. I'm a monster. I'm going to play unbelievable football and I am going to use this to make my life better. And I'm going to use this to put myself in position to be a guy and and to make my name for myself and make my fortune and set my family up and set my family's family up and, you know, have a a rewarding successful life Mm -hmm. because of this football. I feel like that's the same thing with, with Thibodeau. and. Sue's time in Detroit uh, came with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And some of that came from the personality. Um, So I'm I'm not afraid of that necessarily. And I think that's what when you say you want to build a culture, you build a culture so that you can bring in guys that maybe aren't cookie cutter culture guys. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't change the culture. You know, you can bring in somebody who can make your team better, who's his own personality and is marching to a different beat, but everybody else is marching to the same beat and he can help you win. And he's fun to be around. So cool. So I think, I think that's where I kind of calm down. Um, the lions just have to believe that, you know, Aaron Glenn and his staff are going to be good enough to get him to use his natural talents to the best of his advantage and to the best of their advantage. Um, you know, and, and and unlock that next step because I don't think I don't think Aiden Hutchinson has a next step. I think he's pretty close to a finished product. Finished product is pretty good, but I don't think it's fourteen fifteen sack good, and I don't think it's mm. ever going to be.
0: What? So what do you think they do it to? Is it if Trayvon Walker goes one? Is it Hutchinson? Do they go like? How much does Trayvon Walker going one throw a wrench in what the Lions do it to?
1: It's a great question. Even though he's not Anderson.
0: one. I yeah, I, I don't know, even man. Balky doing something weird one. like that would not be surprising whatsoever. Like Walker's on a lot of people's number he was number one on a lot of people's boards, man. Like it doesn't seem like I I don't know. It would not shock me if the Jags went Walker at one. That would not blow my mind. Anything the Jags do at one would not surprise me at this point.
1: Yeah. And uh, a good friend of mine, Josina Anderson at CBS reported Mm. months ago, the Lions like Thibodeau significantly more than Hutchinson. And Mm. maybe the combine changed that a little bit. Maybe the three cone Hutchinson changed that a little bit. Maybe, you know, the questions. The PFF
0: podcast, Hutch, they were listening to that and they were just like, oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, maybe, who knows? Yeah. Um, But I think, I think the situation is you're sitting there too. Mm -hmm. And, There's two or three or four players who could probably come in and help you right away. Mm -hmm. I look at a guy like Kyle Hamilton, and I think not only could the Lions use Kyle Hamilton, the Lions could use about three Kyle Hamiltons. (laughs) They need at least one safety, maybe two. They need at least one corner, maybe two. Are we talking they, about the Falcons or the
2: Lions here?
0: The
1: Lions. Yeah. No, no, no. They need a, a linebacker. Maybe two, right? Okay. Still the Falcons.
2: About, yeah, no, we're yeah. talking about the 49ers. They need to, they Hold need. on, Evan. <laughs> we're not even
0: close. The 49ers are nowhere near where the Lions you're, and the Falcons no, you're, are right now. You're right. You're now. right, you're right. Tar, 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 I would board. much. I mean, if you don't want Bosa, like we'll take Bosa, man. I don't want to use. a. I was
2: talking uh, about safeties, buddy. Yeah. I, I said nothing about pass rush. Okay.
1: I, I just, yeah, so that's, and then what are you, what, are, what is that? What's mm-hmm. the solution for that thing when you're sitting there too and there's three, four guys you could take, you trade right. down, right? So who knows if somebody wants to trade up? Um, like I said, I, I still think Thibodeau is probably the highest upside guy. He's the biggest need. He's the hardest guy to, re, you know, replace. It's like, can you mm-hmm. find yourself getting an Aiden Hutchinson-esque guy, maybe seven eight nine if that's where you are next year? Yeah. 13, yeah. 14, 15? Yeah. You know, you can find a well-rounded edge rusher who can kick inside. Um, you can find a high-effort, high-motor guy. You can't find the guy who's built like Thibodeau, right? You mm-hmm. can't get him anywhere but top three, four, or five picks. Right. Um, and next year, if you're in that situation, you're probably taking a quarterback. So that's. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's the and the same thing with Sewell, right? It's that opportunity cost. Justin Fields falls to you at seven. You're thinking, I might regret this, but this is a one, 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 two, one, three type player in any other draft. And he's here at seven and he can build, he can be the rock we build this offense yeah. around. You take him and, and you figure it out. And uh, I think that could be kind of a similar situation with Thibodeau where if you, if you believe that you can coach him and he can play for you, he's an irreplaceable kind of prospect.
2: I just think that like, I we talked a little bit about this on one of the other pods, but like, the Lions are in a position to be able to take the best player in the draft this year mm-hmm. in a year where there is no quarterback worth taking and they need a quarterback. It's a layup. You need a quarterback, but it's blatantly obvious that you can't take one. You know that So take the best player available. Mm-hmm. You did it last year. Are you know, Paneg might end up being one might end up being one of, if not the best players in that draft Ten years from now, and you're you're going to be able to do it again. Am I biased in wanting you it to be, you know, the Oregon Ducks? Sure, but yeah, I, you know, a team like the Lions need a foundation, and how do you build a foundation by you get it? Getting the best players in the draft, and you're putting them on two different sides of the ball. Not too bad. I just,
0: I don't know. Like, my, I keep coming back to, and the thing that it seems rash, but. NFL season's like, there's only, so there's now this new thing, Tyler, as you've seen, where it's like teams can just change their fortune on a dime on a lot of accounts. And I I wonder, something that I've been wondering, it's like, it's hard to read how ownership's changing in this regard, where it's like, look at Jimmy Haslam, who the report came out in The Athletic this week about just, it's hard to get a read on him day to day. Like he's just all over the place and you never know what he's going to do. We don't know enough with the new ownership group, right? Kind of in Detroit where she went through the Patricia era. So we got to see the Quinn-Patricia era that. But like, do we know for certain that she has the stomach for 34-plus games of this offense that we saw last year? And the Lions, the weird thing about the Lions last year and as someone – who watched a lot of those games, it was like you knew that they were going to lose to teams better than them, but you also knew they were going to get up for the games they needed to get up for, where they, like you mentioned the Cardinals game, and uh, was it the Steelers too? There was just games last year where it was like, oh, bet. Whatever it is, like people are going to think that the Lions are getting blown out by this really good team. It's not happening. But like an average, like the Falcons, like easy bet—they're losing to the Falcons. Like I knew that going in. Like they're not beating the Falcons. It's not happening. That's just—they're not getting up for that game. But it's only cute for so long because we only have so many of these games. And I think what what people miss when you're doing this uncomfortable long-term rebuild now, I just wonder. If you don't have an entertaining product while you're rebuilding, if you're not fun, if you're not in those games like you had against the Cardinals and you aren't building off that and you're not putting up a lot of points bad rebuilds where it's defense 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 and you're like aaron glenn's awesome he's doing great work with the defense and Kayvon thibodeau is wrecking havoc but we're losing games 20 to 7 and it's just putrid and it feels like a steve wilkes type arizona year with josh rose and under center where you're like uh oh this is not fun how do we get people excited and come to these games because there's only so many and then season's gone like that is that something that you wonder with detroit right now going into year two with campbell where it's like all right, you got, what, Ben Johnson now uh, as OC. You've got Campbell, who called plays down the stretch last year. There's questions on who's going to call plays this year. Like, are we sure that it's going to be one guy calling plays for 17 games straight? Like, we don't know. And then Jared Goff could get worse. And if Jared Goff's worse and you don't take a quarterback... And the receiver room is not upgraded. Like Chark is a great prove it type guy, but you still like that was the worst wide receiver room in football last year. Like you're still gonna need more talent outside of that. Offensive line play and defensive line play is great, but if you go five and thirty-seven in two years, it's like I, I don't know. Like you gotta really bet on your ownership group being stupid strong enough to withstand and be like, I still believe in the process. I still believe that we'll get a Bryce Younger or CJ Stroud or whoever next year, and just bear with us for a little bit longer. I don't know. I, I don't know what she's thinking and what Detroit's ownership will do.
2: If it's like that, does that make sense? Oh, no, uh, no, oh, God, go absolutely ahead. <laughs> not. first off, don't, don't, in, don't enable him. You literally, <laughs> the lions are like, they're sitting at the beginning of like a pond with, like lily pads to jump to. And there's one that's like clearly big enough for you to land on. And it's Mm -hmm. take best player available. And there's like a tiny one over here that chase keeps talking about. Like, (laughs) well, what if they don't, how do you like, they don't have any choice. They, they they don't have a great enough team to, like, compete in the playoffs. There's no quarterback available to, to 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 save them. The only choice is to take the best player available and just ride the season out. There's no – like, you keep talking about the Lions as if there's, like, another choice. There's no Well, other
0: I mean, choice. the other choice was, like, a Baker or signed Jameis. That's not or... a
2: choice. They have that guy. His name is Jared Goff. That's that's.
0: But what if you go three and fourteen? My point is three and fourteen with a bad offense. Like what is? Look at your. I I don't know, man. Sam
2: Darnold, right now. Mm -hmm. They're look look at what the Carolina Panthers did with that exact. Well, the upside. (laughs) And then now they're looking to sign Jimmy Garoppolo because he's the the safe, not going to cheat on you, makes sixty grand a year option, right? Like. (laughs) they're the why you're asking them to do something that they know will not work there there is
0: well no i'm not even saying that i'm just saying like it's not what i would do it's i wonder what ownership will do like i think people miss that with uh, all kinds of teams it's just the power of an influence that ownership might have in decision making where it's like yeah like the cleveland obviously like jimmy haslam was okay with Moneyball. Not too long ago. That was not that long ago that he was like, yeah, Paul D Podesta, let's just like Hugh Jackson, we're coasting. We're going to lose every single game. Do whatever you got to do. And now he's like, all right, let's just go and burn half our fan base to the ground and go trade for just like you just have no idea. I feel like with a lot of these ownership groups that like nothing would surprise me, like Arthur blank. I never thought he would do what he did to Matt Ryan. Like I never thought that that was on the table mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. changed. Like those are decisions he did not used to make, or I did not think that that was something that the Falcons would actually operate and how they would do business. Like a lot of people lost respect who are Falcons fans at how Atlanta handled their offseason. And it was a messy bad situation for several weeks and they have a lot to do to get that fan support and just kind of backing back but I think that's real so I I, I don't know Ty what do you think Evan and I obviously have different perspectives on this yeah
1: no this is it's really perceptive um, I think the Matt Patricia era was instructive for ownership mm-hmm. um, because it was this deadly combination of bad and boring mm-hmm. right where it was like Everyone could see the Lions are going to go out and do this thing and try and be this way and look terrible and lose by 20 or 30 mm-hmm. and then get off the field. And you would ask Patricia, what happened out there? <laughs> what are you, what's it supposed to look like? What are you trying to do? Because from what we can see, it looks like you're trying to do X. And he's, well, we got to play better. We got to coach better. <laughs> okay you know and then you would see the signings and the draft picks and you're like i don't see how this makes things better and then they go out there you know and it's like it's, it's predictable it's mm-hmm. not fun to watch there's no point and then people started to stop showing up for the first right. time since you know the, the bad old days and i think um i think locally a lot of people want to conflate sheila ford hamp which by the way interestingly yeah. she took her she took the ford name off the website she was introduced as sheila Hamp. oh uh yeah. In the press conference. yeah so so you can see she's kind of trying to do some branding stuff and be like look if you're gonna want me in with my mom and dad that's not me Yeah. Um, there's also some talk that you she's know, like. Uh, I
2: she's like. I drive a Toyota. Leave
0: me
1: alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's pretty involved, right?
0: She's in the locker yes. room. I see yes. her. She's an active owner. Yeah.
1: Yes, she is active, and and what's interesting is that she's active and listening. Right. It's like mm-hmm. she walked. She helped you know her mom walk through the hiring process with Patricia, and they got consultants in. You know, Ernie. Of course, he came in. Okay, look, hire Bob Quinn, and how, Quinn basically came in and went, "I'm going to get you met Patricia as soon mm-hmm. as we're done with with." Jim called And so okay, and they followed all the advice, and it was a disaster. And we're like, Okay, cool. Well, now I'm going to go get people who you know I trust and who I who work for me. Mm-hmm. And like again, so far all the arrows are pointing up. Um, but I think you can see in going and getting the draft to Detroit. You know, I think that 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 makes kind of a statement in terms of like, look, I'm going to pull out all the stops. I'm going to mm-hmm. do everything I can um, to elevate the profile of this franchise. And, um, you know, giving Campbell and Brett Holmes, like, seven-year contracts from the beginning, of, like, that, like I'm, in, I'm in, I'm invested, I'm there, I'm in the owner's box. Um, There's a viral clip of her face palming uh, during one of the losses um, yes. last year, you know, and it's kind of like, you can see that she sees what everybody else sees. And in for previous owners, it was, you know, her mom and her dad, it was like, mm-hmm. do you see what they see? You know, do, do you see what we all see? Are you watching this? Is this okay for you? um mm-hmm. and and you know obviously losing is is not okay for her um uh and, and then that just just me being able to say that i think makes a big difference um and you can see how they've invested in the stadium they put 100 million in the stadium of their own yeah. money um that kind of stuff um i think the i think the lines are not boring i think they mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously they weren't good enough last year but there were so many moments and again you know you talk about individual games the rams game that yeah that was unbelievable that was you know three quarters of uh, uh, wiley coyote running off the cliff and just running and running and running yeah You're like there's no way they can be in this ball game there's no way they can keep pulling out all the stops there's no way they're mm-hmm. gonna catch this road runner you know and it, did, it didn't happen at the end but i you know i dare you to find a more entertaining game for a team that this you know this talent deprived uh to to play so i think they're i think they're sensitive to that Um, but i think with you know malik willis another thing that you look at is okay there's already a sizable portion of the lions fan base that is desperate for because they want exactly that they've convinced themselves he is the lightning in a bottle we will catch it he'll Mm. come in and kickstart this thing and it's like even the evaluators that are very high on malik willis um, and I am not as qualified as the ones that do it full time all year round. Uh, but I am far from one of them. Go, he's going to need a year. Like mm-hmm. he is not. There's a lot of bad tape. He did not. He's not Justin Fields, where he played Ohio State. He went to playoff games. He played the highest level of talent. He played with the highest level of talent. He was at Liberty, and there's a ton of bad tape. And for him to get from where he is to a difference-making NFL starter requires a lot of things going right. And him coming in and going, "Hey, excitement! <laughs> buy your season tickets now!" And Dan Campbell, as as with as much kid gloves as he treated Jared Goff, if he's going to throw Malik Willis out there before he's ready. Absolutely not.
2: Right. Um, if you're looking at literally another Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance situation. Where you, I'd argue, I'd argue that Trey Lance is a better quarterback coming out of the draft than malik <laughs> willis in a in a big mm-hmm. way and mm-hmm. even still you know trey lance had to take a city year and now they're even talking about like jimmy grew up low which i don't believe but like yeah you know you don't want to put yourself in that situation and and like once again not to beat a dead horse but like you don't want to put yourself in that situation when the other side of that coin is a guy like cave thibodeau yeah or Aiden Hutchinson you know like
0: you know. well it's like the we're so harsh on this class it's amazing like I the amount of people who are like this class sucks we're going to the next one you're like I did you watch a pick game this past year did you watch a Liberty game did you go through any of this where it's like not all these quarterbacks are gonna be bad one of these guys is gonna be a star like I don't know which one it seems unlike like we just looked at Baker Sam like Baker and Sam might just be done as starters at this point like that is already here and that was one of the all-time best classes that we thought like can't miss guys then you have Lamar going 32 and he's just this huge like that was a huge miss by so many teams in front of him were like oh we should have just gambled on Lamar like the talent was there we we just overthought it like people a lot of teams overthought Lamar Jackson and then you just I I, it's just it's funny to me where it's like this draft sure thing like all kinds of great talent. all in this or this quarterback draft sucks like there's nothing here and I'm like There's no way one of these guys is going to be great. I don't know which one, like you said, where it's like I've watched a lot of Matt Corral and I watched Matt Corral just give his entire body in the Tennessee game and just keep coming. And he's so small and he takes the biggest beating. Like, I don't know how he does it, but he takes some shots. That dude is a gamer and I would go to war for Matt Corral. But Kenny Pickett, also a guy I saw up close I don't, I don't know. Pickett is probably the least likely to me to be the dude where it's like, I would not be on like, he's a third or fourth guy where you just take a flyer and then just the all time. Great one is Carson strong. Like the dude's got a cannon. I loved watching Nevada this past year, like on the pod. I talked about Nevada and I was like, they're good. Jay Norvell, great head coach. And no one talks about this man deserves another shot. And he gets the Colorado state job, which I still think is kind of less than what he could do. But um I don't know. Well, we'll see. I just think that it's something that we'll we'll see. Um, in terms of other things that we'll see, Evan, your Niners, Debo Samuel, is that marriage ever going to be normal? Is that going to normalize at some point this offseason?
2: You know, this has been a quiet offseason. There's not mm-hmm. a lot to talk about. Um, the 49ers don't sign extensions at the beginning of free agency. Hmm. for their for their big players. You look at George Kittle, you look at Trent Williams. It happens every time in cyclical fashion because 49ers fans are psychopaths and just they just d- demand to to hate their lives. Uh Debo Samuel is going to sign an extension to be the highest paid wide receiver uh in the NFL. It might quickly after that be beat by AJ Brown or you know uh it, who else is my, in that list? It's AJ Brown,
0: him. Like, we just McLaurin, got it. Terry McLaurin. McLaurin yeah. We're, and it's like they all got together. I want to be on that group chat where they're like, we're all not playing until. We're going to. camp.
2: Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of the thing, though, right? They're like, they're probably all three of them are like, well, let's just do this together. And, you know, whatever. Yeah. So one of them is going to be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And then very quickly, you know, after the other two, we'll, we'll sign. I'm not worried about it at all. Hmm um you know we were talking this week about I was talking with Eric Crocker um and you know in front of the pod and we talk about like you know okay well where would you rank Debo in terms of just as a receiver not that you would right because obviously it's not in the in the game of the NFL he does all uh, but just as a receiver where would you rank him you know and then it's like okay so you put him in the top five top seven top eight as a receiver right okay well now let's factor in what else he does in the run game and all these other things. And it's just like, no matter how you shake it, like Debo is going to get paid. The 49ers are not going to let Debo go. No one's going to trade for Debo. We're not going to let that happen either. We, I don't know. Why I say we, uh, <laughs> but like Debo is not going anywhere, but I think people are bored and the longer that it goes without it, you know, Debo is the kind of guy that loves to post on social media and, um, you know, shout out to my good friend, Michael James, if you're not about football, tweeter back in the day. Uh, you know, sometimes these football players just love to kind of, you know, they like to use their social media and fans will just take anything they can. Uh, shout out to all the like content aggregators uh, on Twitter that just basically copy and paste whatever a person, you know, a player posts on social media. It's like, what does it mean? Like, dude, he just, he went to Shake Shack. He got a, he got a burger and, and a shake. <laughs> at uh uh, shake shack literally it's like why didn't he get fries is it because he can not (laughs) afford it you know like is he is he need money so i i i I understand that these conversations are not going to stop anytime soon but i just couldn't care less well
0: it seems like a lot of these players like the fan the flames where it's like they know how to start them and then get out they eject so like Debo ejects like kyler does this now where they start it they know what they're doing. They play dumb. They eject. And then they play it off like when they get what they want. Like after the fact, they're like, oh, I don't know what you're talking
2: about. It wasn't a big deal at all. Like but they were like, just. Yeah. Devo's, the, Devo's a perfect example mm-hmm. of, of how things are in the NFL now. Devo probably sat in a room with all of his like main people, right? His agent, his manager, you know, people that handle like his, his like promotional stuff. Everyone in a room is like, okay, what are we doing about this contract situation? And he didn't speak once. And I guarantee his agent was like, Uh, social media. Can you guys go ahead and remove (laughs) all this stuff from social media? All that's required by the shows, 49ers, the red and gold, none of it. Get rid of all of it. Take everything out of his bio. He, he still has yet to speak. And then they're Mm -hmm. like, okay. Um, post, uh, (laughs) video of him working out the one we recorded three weeks ago. Yeah. Post that video with some obscure comment. Okay. (laughs) He has yet to talk. He's still looking down at his phone. They're like, okay, now Go ahead and tweet something on his social, super obscure, uh, could be conveyed for literally anything. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right, now go ahead and, uh, uh, Agent, You, I need you to reach out to uh, Adam Schefter and say – uh, Debo's in the base, best shape of his life and he's really anxious to to get a deal done. And throughout the whole process, Hold on, you left yeah. out
0: uh text Jimmy Garoppolo's agent, be like, Hey, where's Jimmy at? Can you get him out of Hooters? We need yeah. Jimmy out of Hooters this week.
2: <laughs> well, but like 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 Debo probably in that process says nothing and is just like you guys handle this, I've got it. But everyone goes, huh, Why why Debo do this? Why Debo do like these like this is just how we all how things are in twenty twenty two now.
0: I just think there's an extreme version where it's like, I don't know. I mean, watching the Calvin Ridley stuff happen live will be something I won't forget for a while. Like Calvin Ridley openly tweeting what's going on uh, with his year long ban right after the news breaks and everything was one of the wildest afternoons of my Atlanta Falcons fandom life. That was, that was an unreal day and uh, some a day I will not forget. Um, I don't know, Ty, what do you think Debo gets? And the, well, do you think he'll uh, be work? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Evan.
2: Ty's working on his headphones right now, so I don't know oh. if he can actually hear you. Oh, um, sorry. You're good. You're good. You're good.
0: Oh, we hear him a little bit. I don't know. For some reason, I like went really. Oh
2: wait, bad. hold on. uh There he is. There he is. Yeah. Okay, I think okay, you're good you now. Yeah, you're yeah, good so, now. I'm good. You're he, basically asking your opinion on what you think about fan, you know, players using social media nowadays to like. Used as a negotiation tactic. But specifically with yeah. Debo
1: too. Yeah. No, and, and Evan, I liked your, your scenario, and I was about to throw out eyes emoji. You know, like just, just tweet an yeah. eyes emoji. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or uh, SMH. Just tweet out SMH. Yeah. You know, and people just mm-hmm. go wild looking for the timestamp of, of what team news broke. <sighs> I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where, in some ways, the NFL is beginning to operate like the nba in terms of guys using star power and guys negotiating their way around the league um because that's what, i mean these guys are zoomers right yeah like it's a generational gap in how athletes um consume news and yeah. talk to each other and talk to fans directly you know um i mean you know well, i've got something to speak to all this
0: right now this literally just happened he just tweeted this cause, quote from aj brown i'm a diva and a bad teammate all of a sudden lol okay do what you have to do then, and so will I. What? What?
2: And then he and then he tweets, they switch up quick.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
2: Wait, hold on. Right on, on cue. This, oh hold on. What does this mean? What does this mean about Debo? How Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So it's so and
1: it's like there's there are the very real relationships where you know these guys see each other in the locker room and they talk mm-hmm. to the executives and they talk to the coaches and they have these real relationships. Um, but then there's this kind of other other world where they go out and, and communicate on social and, and connect and, and put things out there. And, you know, in a lot of ways zoomers want to be their whole selves online and yeah. also want there to not be repercussions. You know, it's like hey, yeah. this is just my Twitter. Okay. And if you <laughs> There's there's an official team Twitter account with like a staff of like five people running it, right? Mm-hmm. So like this is just Twitter, this is just Instagram, but it's also a real thing. And if you didn't believe it was a real thing, you wouldn't be posting on it as much as you do, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know it's important for your brand, and you know it can impact, um, you know what kind of deal you get or or how how the team sees you or how the team values you. There mm-hmm. is. To your point, Chase, about ownership, like ownership wants butts and seats. They yep. wanna sell tickets, they wanna sell jerseys, they want fans to be engaged. And sometimes they don't even mind if the engagement is negative, right? Yeah. So polarizing players can can add move the people. needle, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, you know, most all these teams have their own whole like not just social account but like literally media operation they've got writers they've got editors they've got video producers they've got on camera talent and have for years right so they want to generate money off those clicks too um, so I think players are aware of the power that they have and they're trying to use it and and, and it's kind of a new venue for them um, and, and I think it's I think it's safe to write off that this stuff the social media drama is going to override the talent level and the results and the football. Like if if the 49ers want to commit to Debo Samuel and Debo Samuel wants to commit to the 49ers, none of this stuff is going to matter. Same thing with, Mm -hmm. same thing with Kyler Murray. They, you know, through a top 10 quarterback entering his second year and a head coach entering his second year, Out the window, along with, like, three drafts worth of picks to go up and take Kyler Murray. And so far, he's worked out. He's been as advertised. If he's not the quarterback that's going to take you to the Super Bowl, he's the quarterback that's going to make the Cardinals relevant for the next five to ten years. Right. You cannot get rid of that because, like, he posts dumb stuff on his notes app or his... It's interesting you say that because I... My gut tells me he's not long for Arizona.
0: Like, I do think there's a tipping point with this stuff where... Yeah. Can I just I wanna,
1: yeah. I wanna interrupt you go? Okay, but does, is that be is that because the socials or is that because this is reflecting a real schism in the locker room in between ownership? That's what I'm saying. It's like some of this stuff is manufactured, but then some of yeah. it is. Real, Chase doesn't right, like Murray
2: going me. all the way back to college. So like, No, hold on. Chase he's is just a, a dip- blood dude with Kyler Murray. I don't.
0: Kyler is just a different dude. Wasn't it Dalton who told us like a few weeks ago, like on the pod a few weeks ago, that like there's just been something like even back to his high school days where he's just a different guy. Kind of dude, and he had that really weird interview on Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen. Do y'all remember that media session where he wouldn't commit and say anything about if he was going to play baseball or play football and all that? And He was just quiet. And not, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's all leverage, and he's going to keep using baseball and other stuff as leverage. But I, I don't know. Like the Bidwell seem like an ownership group that's like, all right, this dude doesn't want to be here. He's not going to be here. Like that is an ownership group that I would be like. Mm. I don't know. Like, yeah, it could be worse. We saw what it was like with Josh Rosen and uh, some years before that, where, I mean, those late Bruce Arians years, was that Max Hall? We had some Drew Stanton in there. We had um, all kinds of dudes out there. So it's like teams when you don't have a quarterback for a while, like it hurts. Like you're experiencing that right now. Detroit Atlanta is experiencing that right now. I have not had this tie in 15 years. Like we're back to the Joey Harrington, Byron Leftwich year and Falcons fans have been it's weird to say this but we've been very fortunate to go from Vic to Ryan basically like that is a rare thing I mean you can even say Chris Chandler who took this team to Super Bowl to Vic to Matt Ryan with one year blip you it doesn't usually go like that it's usually like the Chiefs where you have no quarterback for 20 something years and you're just like are are we ever getting anybody can we get some kind of franchise quarterback who's exciting but I don't know like it's a really tough thing if you're Arizona to move on from somebody like Kyler. But if you're annoyed and you're like, this is just going to be the vibe every year. And like, I think they said he rubbed in the wrong way because he was reflect, uh, deflecting responsibility. Cause he was awful in that Rams playoff game. He was, he was awful that interception. We all remember pretty well the pick six, but um, I don't know. It's like he, I think it's one of those things too, where it's like, he carries himself like a super bowl winner and it's like, all right, can you're awesome but we've seen the second half of these seasons. We we need a little bit more before like we're just your Patrick Mahomes 2.0. I
2: I don't know. I got to say, Ty, I got to jump off just because I got to go do actually do my day job. (laughs) It it is a pleasure. Hopefully you can come back on soon. Big fan of your content all the way from your ADHD stuff to everything that you've talked about uh, out just, you know, outside of football and on the more personal side of life. So I'm a big fan uh, I I gotta go. I'll see you guys soon. Bye,
0: Evan. Bye. Good talking to you, man. Really appreciate it. And then there were two. Um, Ty. So there was another thing I wanted to pick your brain on. So what do you think the Falcons do? Um, I've seen a lot of different options because I think you would have uh some really good insight here as well because like I make this joke that the Lions and the Falcons are in the same spot in a lot of ways, but I really do like I think Dan Campbell. Just being the offensive guy, he comes from a good situation in New Orleans. He's likable. You're like, okay, I can see it. I can see it. Arthur Smith and him are com- wired completely differently. Like, Arthur Smith has no Dan Campbell personality in him whatsoever. That man is, like, when you find out that FedEx was in his blood, you're like, of course. Like, that man has been quiet delivering mail forever. That is what his MO is. He's he's pretty... uh He's pretty introverted based on uh, my vibe and listening to him in press conferences and things like that. But I don't know. It's it's tough because this past year, Kyle Pitts, no touchdowns. Like the offense was miserable most weeks. Um, We won every game we were supposed to win. We lost every game we were supposed to lose. It was a very, very predictable season. But if you're going to take somebody like Kyle Pitts, where you did, like you cannot... You cannot use him that way. You cannot do what we did this past year and be like, all right, uh, we're going to take this all purpose Swiss army knife and just go games where like we did not target him at all. And he's just on the sidelines or he's just used as a decoy or blocking. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, this is this is not I, I, it would, it was just so frustrating for all of us as Falcons fans. But there's so many holes on defense. Richie Grant was a disaster last year at safety like that didn't work. Deion Jones is cooked. You lose Foye Oluakon, who I think got overpaid by Jacksonville. He was like the, just the tackles. Uh, I forgot who we, we've had somebody like that, or maybe it was the Niners. Who was that linebacker who had all those tackles one year? And you're like, Oh, this dude's good. What was his name? Um, It was a while ago, but I forgot. Not Paul Worler, uh, a maybe. Was it? Warlo? Oh, okay. Who was it? There was somebody who had this crazy stat. It was either the Niners or the Falcons. Um, who racked up these tackles and he got paid and it was like, Oh no, those were just tackles. Those were empty calories. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's what foyer was. And then we've drafted Ta- We've drafted tack. We've drafted Vic Beasley. We've tried this uh, drafting the whole pass rusher thing. And it hasn't really worked out. We stumbled into Grady Jarrett late in the draft and he's been a godsend. But our only thing that makes sense to me is like starting at corner. Like I want sauce Gardner where it's like, at least give me something we're a lead at. And if you put AJ Terrell on one side and Sauce Gardner on the other, that's a starting point, at least. Like, I don't know what happens with Grant and Jalen Hawkins in the back end, but, like, linebacker is a mess. Defensive line's a mess. Safety's a mess. Give me something as a baseline. where We're like, we're great here. Like, it's going to be a pain to pass on us because we have Sauce on one side and AJ Terrell on the other. Like, this is going to be a pain for years to come. We're like, the no-fly zone might be a thing here. Is that... Does that make sense? Or would you go somewhere different? Like if Kyle Hamilton's there, you go Hamilton. Or if Jermaine Johnson's there, do you go Jermaine? Or if Kayvon Thibodeau is there, do you go Thibodeau? Like, what do you do?
1: Yeah, that's that's where I was going to go first is basically, of course, up high. You know, I, I feel like defense is the way to go um just generally speaking because the quarterback is not there, not going to be there, you're not going to move up for a quarterback because there's no quarterback to move up for. Um and and then you know you might want like that true stud number one wide receiver, but again that's not that's not there either, right? You know there's yeah. a bunch of really cool and interesting talents later in the draft that will be there in the second round, yeah. but not not there. Um so I think edge rusher now with this like oh like the Jaguars are going to take Jermaine Johnson because he reminds <laughs> Trent Balky of Alden Smith. Is like, I, okay, okay, sure, mm-hmm. and, and okay. If you if you think we now have four top ten edge rushers, the math just says one of them is going to be there. Right? Yeah, like if that happens and all three of those are sitting there at two, and the Lions take one of them, and then you got two, and then you got all these other teams. I don't think the other three make it through and you know Kevin Thibodeau or it's, it's Hutchinson or it's Trayvon Walker sitting there you go okay like there it is I think that's the pick because edge rusher is the premium defensive position like I was just saying a second ago you only get you only get a chance at these guys at the top of the draft there was a great mm-hmm. a couple years ago you know Chase Young's rookie year they play the Steelers and uh Mike Tomlin they have like a mic'd up moment he walks over and Mike Tom's like hey you know gets chase young aside and he's like i don't ever want a guy like you and you know chase Young's like what and he goes if i draft a guy like you with that body that means i lost about 14 (laughs) (laughs) like like that's the only way you could get Mm -hmm. to you maybe none of these guys is chase young maybe none of these guys is miles Garrett. maybe none of these Mm -hmm. you know but like that's that's the, the ballpark that we're talking about. So I do think corner makes sense. Secondary, you know, if Kyle Hamilton is sitting there, I, I still think too many evaluators I trust are going, this guy might end up being the best football player coming out of this draft. Maybe not the best prospect, now that he didn't light up the combine we were hoping. Yeah. Um, I remember, it reminds me a little bit of Shaq Thompson, where like huh. all the guys I trust were like, this guy's going to melt down the combine. People are going to lose their minds. I don't know what position he plays in the league, but he raw." <laughs> <laughs> didn't really do that at the combine and then you know really good off-ball linebacker okay and you know maybe that's the path for kyle hamilton he did hmm. a good but not great at the combine and maybe he's just a good safety and maybe that's fine you know um but so you know there's definitely a, a sauce gardner shout there but i think edge rusher and again even if it's not all four that fall if one of the top three do fall i think you pounce um if none of the top three fall that probably means one of the two cornerbacks fell right yeah like, the, the way this board is looking at, I think you go impact defensive player and, and you figure everything out. It's 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 a bummer because I was such a huge believer, um, you know, after the Super Bowl year, I spent all offseason going, this is the transition, right? Where this mm-hmm. goes from being the ghost of Matt Ryan to Julio Jones, you know, the ghost mm-hmm. of that offense. This goes from being the Kyle Shanahan offensive team to the Dan Quinn defensive team. Like, mm-hmm. I really... I thought Keanu Neal was going to be a stud. I thought, you know, like going down the list of like these guys are going to have this is going to be a nasty, nasty. Oh, Ty, you could have just texted
0: me. I could have, I could have saved you a lot of time. I could have saved you all kinds of time on that. I could have, I could have done
1: that. Yeah, I will in the future. But you know, so I, I just think that's kind of the the quickest path towards you get an impact player, solves a problem now, solves a problem for the next five, six Mm -hmm. years. And, um, you know, you have other picks to, to address later needs, but I, I think that's the, it's either a rusher or cornerback makes the most sense from a positional value standpoint, from a need standpoint. And there's, there's guys later in the draft who can help you at receiver at safety.
0: If it's Desmond Ritter, I'm punning my sign, Keith brooking helmet into the sun.
1: <laughs> I was going to say somehow we got through this whole draft without talking Ritter, which, uh, you know, my buddy, Matt Miller is out there talking to yeah. Ritter right now. Um, and you know, I mean, who knows? Who knows? He could be the guy for any of these teams that are sitting there. I think I do think we're going to see a lot of action at the bottom of the draft. I think people. I think there are a lot of teams that are thinking they're going to trade up with the Lions or they're going to trade yeah. up with the Lions to try and snake that quarterback. I think a lot of these teams want these quarterbacks. They just don't want them at two. At right, six. it's just a positional value thing where it's like, yeah, we like them, but we don't like them to trade up to two. Like we.
0: It's just not that kind of draft. I mean, Bucky Brooks, I don't think, had a quarterback in his latest mock. Like, I think his, like, first... And it's, like, what... It seems like if teams could... Like, all the best draft analysts could be honest about what they think and what they see on the tape. They're like, no quarterbacks. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, they're... If every team was just... They remained steadfast and didn't get antsy about having a quarterback or taking a quarterback, I don't think any team would do it. Or they're just like, "Uh, I guess... I, I just... I don't know. I'm very fascinated to see how this draft goes because when there aren't quarterback obvious quarterbacks, then we know teams are going to do some dumb stuff because once the clock's ticking... <laughs> And once the, they're on the clock and they have to start seeing where things go, like someone's going to do something wild at the quarterback spot early. And then that's going to change everything. Like one of these quarterbacks is going to go way too high. And then the panic will set in. And then other teams are like, wait, are, are, are we suddenly already down to number three quarterback at like 19? Uh-oh, we thought there was going to be no quarterbacks. So then I, I don't know. I'm excited because I think I'm betting on four. How many quarterbacks do you think go in the first round? I'm going to say four.
1: I was gonna bring it up because um, Greg Cassell. We did a segment on this uh, last week on Three and Out, my podcast. Mm-hmm. And Greg Cassell, who's been on the show multiple times, you know, said, "I think it's gonna be five. I think oh five. my god, who's his five? Uh, I th- he just told. I think it was he's told Peter King. I think five are gonna go in the first round. Uh-huh. Not that he thinks five should go in. the Yeah, first round, but well, no. Does five... who's his five? Like, did he reveal who his five quarterbacks are? Okay, but um, I think. What would you guess? uh you know willis pickett i, I kind of basically i'm torn between you know howell probably goes just because of uh arm strength yeah probably between ritter and uh, uh corral corral for that last yeah. one you know our team's gonna go big on the, the athleticism or are they are gonna go on the like you know gutsiness kind of a thing yeah so I, I, but however it is like I mean five would be wild because basically I don't think any of these guys are first rounders. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, arguing with Lions fans. I'm like, Malik Willis is a day two pick, all day long. I'm like, could he be the next Russell Wilson? Maybe. He's like really best case is almost he's fast Jalen Hurts, um, and I get that any you know any point in, any port in the storm, but like teams are desperate and teams will do stupid things. I think you're a hundred percent right, and, and I think it's going to get exciting. I think it's going to get interesting
0: um the panthers are one of those teams so i wanted to pick your brain on the panthers because i I am i'm sorry i am gonna have to bounce shortly here because i gotta get dinner on the table but uh... oh no you're good well we can end here we can end on panthers we can end on panthers and baker so i (sighs) this is interesting so baker and jimmy garoppolo are linked to them right and Then you read the reports on rumors and you talk to people who know things where it's like Matt rules doing these coaching clinics for college football this offseason like he's doing like this college football tour. And it seems like the dirty little secret is that he wants to go back to college and that he's ready to go back to college wherever that might be. Um, and it's like if Penn State opened up, if James Franklin, it's amazing how dominoes work in coaching things where it's like if James Franklin gets the USC job and Lincoln Riley stays at Oklahoma and, and Penn State opens, is this it? Like Matt rolls in Happy Valley, his dream school, and Caroline is in a completely different situation with Scott Fitterer and uh, David Tepper this offseason where it's like, oh, new coach, new regime, we're starting over. Like because Fitterer did not hire Rule, correct? Was Didn't Rule predate him or did he not? Do I have that backwards? I want to say Fitterer came in after him. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but Tepper, another owner who seems like a kind of a firecracker who wants to win now and seems pretty bold, that like people, you're like, oh, there's no way Pickett should go high or go where the Panthers are drafting. He went to Pitt. Pat- Tepper went to Pitt. Like, he watched every game. I guarantee you, that man loves Kenny Pickett. Like, there is no way around it. And if you're in the room and you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know we should do this. Like, I don't think he's a first-round guy. He's like, dude, I just saw him last year. He went to the ACC title game. Kenny Pickett was awesome. That's a real – that's real things that happen where it's like, yeah, we like to believe that the GM just has – like, you have this great GM and they can do whatever they want. And they just – they run things the way they want it to. It's very rare that it's a Belichick situation like that, where they just this complete autonomy where they like craft is like whatever Belichick wants to do, yeah, I trust you. You've been you you've proven yourself. Do whatever you want. Um, I don't know. Like Baker is interesting. Do they take Pickett? Do they take Willis? Like it seems like everyone believes they're gonna take a quarterback, but it's like if you bring in Baker or you bring in Garoppolo, and it seems like the only way either works now is if they get cut. Like I think the Panthers are waiting for one of those two guys to get cut. And they're not getting, no one's giving up assets for either of those two anymore. Like they know that they have no leverage. Like the Browns have no leverage, none whatsoever Baker now. And the Niners, it's like everyone around the league's like, yeah, we'll see. We'll call your bluff. Are you really going to go into training camp with Garoppolo and Lance? Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to do a preseason battle between those two? Are you really going to play head games with Trey Lance going into the, the new season? Is that what you're going to do? We don't believe you. So you're going to have to cut him and then we'll sign him to just a really team friendly contract
1: and he can compete with our vets. I don't know. What do you think the Panthers do at quarterback? This is fascinating because my co-hosts at 3 and Out, um, you know, let's we'll, we'll plug it, 3outpod.com. Yeah, absolutely. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, grown every time I bring up Carolina because I was, mm-hmm. I was talking about them in the offseason. I was talking about them in the preseason. I was talking about them in the season. I'm like, David Tepper was supposed to be the new uber billionaire. Mm-hmm. Wanted to win now. Was richer than all the other owners put together, was going to cut checks, had the the sculpture of literal big brass balls on his desk, and he was going to be super. Went out and paid Matt Rule like he's Bill Belichick, you know, Mm -hmm. cut checks for, you know, put all this together, da da da. And like, what have we seen? Nothing. There's at no point has there been any evidence that Matt Rule is building anything, Mm -hmm. and the winds aren't coming. The excitement isn't coming. The fans aren't excited. There's no direction. And I said when they brought back Cam Newton, I'm like, A, I love this from a, like, root for great stories perspective. I love it. Love it. Yeah. That changed like, quick. Matt Rule <laughs> just took a bed sheet and shoe polish and wrote, I am out of ideas and hung up in <laughs> the stadium. Like, mm-hmm. that, is, that is a give up. That is like I've got nothing. I've tried everything. Bring Cam Newton. Bring Cam Newton back. That's the thing. Like the first thing you did, you know, David Tupper, this leadership that you brought in was like, okay, we're getting rid of Cam Newton. Turning the page. New era mm-hmm. three years later, turn the page back. Bring him back. Like I No. It's yeah. Not. And I'm I'm astounded that Matt Rule still has a job. And I have no idea what he's saying in these meetings. That's yeah. gonna- david tepper that like he's got a real vision that's going to go anywhere and i don't understand how any of these quarterbacks are going to get him there and you know can i see david tepper getting impatient and going like yeah but you brought up jimmy haslam jimmy haslam has been chasing shiny things this yes. entire time you know from the manzel you know homeless yeah house person on the street telling him okay we really need manzel you know mm-hmm. going full Moneyball to 18 months later going full hugh jackson to right firing coaches, he's turning over everything all the time. David Tepper made this big move and then has just been sitting there and has been unbelievably patient and watched this whole project crash and burn and gone, okay, well... So I don't know how much pressure there is from ownership. I don't know how much
0: pressure... Do you think it's a Pittsburgh thing? Because he was a Pittsburgh minority owner for so long where it's like, did he just... Because they're as content, not content, as careful. Like, Pittsburgh's a careful organization. And I wonder if that's what he learned is from that ownership group is that, Hey, it's rocky times. But if you believe you have the right coach or you believe you have the right GM, like just stand by them, give them time. Like it, just give it time. Like it's better to wait it out and hope that you're, you hired smartly and that those picks will pay off. And those, it, it will eventually pay dividends. Just, See it through, see it through with Matt rule, see if he can get through it. Cause you obviously Matt rule did something in the interview process that sold him. Cause he was like a favorite. That was like one of those things where it's like Matt rule is the guy in Carolina. Like that was a match. So clearly they have some kind of understanding, right? Like in the, the interview had to have gone really well. And Matt Rule, to be fair, is a great coach. Like he was a great college coach. He was great. He won a Baylor. He won a Temple. The dude's gonna win wherever when he goes back to college. Wherever that is, like that guy is gonna go back and he's gonna win. And totally I just I don't know. It's a weird spot. Like you said, do you think it's Baker? Do you think it's Jimmy? Like, what do you think ultimately happens? And do you think that it if they even if they take uh Baker or Jimmy Garoppolo after their cut, do they still go quarterback and then you're like Darnold? um cam's out i think that's over cam is no longer like like, you're not bringing him back i don't think he gets another job i think his career is over um but what do you think they do ultimately it is april 18th ty what do you think happens in carolina
1: i think they would love if all the football decision makers in the building agree Mm -hmm. and we're operating under the assumption david tepper is all about can you pick it yeah, they agree. If they all really, truly believe Kenny Pickett can be the guy, I think they should take Kenny Pickett because um, that's the excitement. That fixes the problem now. You know he's your week one starter. Mm-hmm. There's no. But, do I think that's the smart thing to do? No, I don't. <laughs> um, I think the smart thing to do, you know, either Garoppolo or Baker is a huge upgrade over what you've got. I think Garoppolo is better than Baker in a vacuum, uh, but mm-hmm. it kind of depends on what you want. And, you know, you talk a chip on the shoulder guy, Jim Garoppolo is going to be a pro wherever he goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Baker is going to be out to try and prove himself. um, And that could go better or poorly. I think whoever goes all in on him, you know, if Matt rule and David Tepper sit him down and go, we're all in on you and we're going to spend, and we're going to get weapons around you. And we believe in you. Even if that's a lie, I think he's going to go out and act like it's true. Yeah. Um, And I think it's very, very personal for Baker. Um, And so I, you know, I, I think, I think either one, like I said, either way could be better. I feel like it kind of could be Baker because I feel like that kind of fits, right? And then it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo's been to two Super Bowls in three years. Yeah. He comes in and crashes and burns. I think people are going to be more likely to blame the roster and the coach than to blame right because we know the floor is there we just saw him play well um so if he comes in and, and doesn't get it done but baker you can bring in baker and if baker isn't good for a year you can get rid of baker but um, it's also like if you're baker you don't want to go because this is it like you baker's next stop he has to
0: win or it's you're suddenly a vet your backup you're drew stanton like he is on that line where it's like teams are going to like or josh rosen where they are going to pivot because of how quickly we're changing out quarterbacks in this league now, you are now a backup and you'll be getting checks. You can do the Chase Daniel thing. You can get, keep getting checks uh, around the league, but like you're not seen as like a franchise cornerstone after the next stop. So be very careful where you go with your next stop because look at Sam Darnold. It's over now. Like No one sees that anymore. Like That Carolina was his rebirth. It's over. I mean, I guess Carson Wentz kind of... Of, like bounce back a third time by getting the trade to Washington where he gets to prove himself one more time. But we saw it flame out last year in Indy. And that was his, that was his guy. Frank Reich was his guy. And it's still flamed out. We are like, okay, it's over. And he's just a backup. He's just not that guy who we saw that MVP season before he got injured. Like that's over. Baker has to be careful. Jimmy Garoppolo, like you said, I think will be fine wherever he goes. Like Jimmy Garoppolo professional. He, I think is seen around the league of like, he's a plug and play guy. And he'll be fine. Baker, it's just he needs to be so freaking careful about his next stop. Like if I'm Baker, I might even consider the Jameis Winston route where it's like I go to a good organization that I don't start for. Swallow some pride and then wait and just learn and wait for the right spot because Jameis extended his career and extended his, I think, starting capacity by going to new Orleans and waiting it out because I think it could have been over for him after Tampa Bay. If he had gone to another spot, like Chicago, if he goes to Chicago right after that, it's over. Like that could have happened. He would have like, if that was the thing was like, he could have gone to Chicago and that went to Dalton instead. It's like, if he goes to Chicago, it's over. Like he is now a backup and no one sees him like that anymore. Cause that that situation was awful, horrific. And Justin Fields just almost died behind that offensive line in that offense this past year. So it's like, It's amazing. Every decision matters and quarterbacks have to be extremely selective about what they do. And I think sometimes it makes more sense. If you already got your money, just, uh, just wait it out. Go to a smart organization and just wait for a little bit.
1: Makes sense. Um, I'll say again, in closing, I got to run the next time Baker Mayfield swallows his pride and (laughs) he's careful. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, will be the first time he does either of those two things. <laughs> so, well, hold on. I, I just, and we'll
0: end here quickly. I, I'm a Baker guy, I will say, because like sure, the, sure. just, I think when you have a perpetual chip on your shoulder and you are the no-star prospect and you take Oklahoma to the promised land, you're just this Heisman winning quarterback who no one ever believed in you. Like no one believed in him for so many years. It's just hard to turn that off. Like it's really hard to separate that from Just your play style and your personality when you're like, I I don't know, I, I empathize with Baker on that front where it's like this dude was not handed anything like this guy was like he went he came from like nothing in terms of like no respect on the football field as a quarterback to being like, oh, he's going number one in the draft. Like number one in the draft to Texas Tech from Texas Tech Afterthought. I don't know. I just think that that's, that's a tough thing for a quarterback and somebody like Baker who's like, hey, I've been dealing with this my whole life. I've got a chip on my shoulder. I'm always going to have a chip on my shoulder. I'm always going to have this screw off attitude because that's got me to where I am. Ty, how can the good folks check out your pod and your writing and
1: everything else you got going on this week? For sure, for sure. So uh, the mothership is kind of the Twitter feed tie shelter there's a little bit of all the stuff that i do t-y-s-c-h-a-l-t-e-r officially go to a uh, spore com every single thing i do is on there for my newsletter give me shelter that's where um you know like evan was talking about i get into more personal stuff more political i do video games tech you know science fiction fantasy review mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um and then you know yeah, YouTube, Twitch, and stuff. That's kind of been on pause, but I'm getting back into it now that we're in the off season. You know, kind of post draft, um, and uh, writing mostly at 5:38 on um, a lot of deep dive statistical analysis. And again, it's not as much in the off season because I'm pretty NFL based. But uh, mm-hmm. I wrote there basically every week during the season and have for the last few years. So uh, again, Ty shelter on Twitter, T Y S C H A L T E R, and uh, check out threeoutpod.com for the Three and Out podcast.
0: There you go. Ty, thank you so much for making the time. I greatly appreciate it. And we'll have to check back in again soon.
1: Absolutely. Had a blast.
0: All right, y'all. That'll do it for this edition. The Tuesday, April 19th edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you again to Ty and Evan for coming on this edition of the program. I greatly appreciate it. Go give them a follow if you have not already done so on all of their social media platforms and uh, keep up with their their work. Um, that would be great. Uh, if you like today's show and you're not already, make sure that you don't miss a future episode of this daily program, the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, make sure you hit that subscri- subscribe button on Apple podcast, Spotify, or however you are listening to this. If you enjoyed today's episode of the program, make sure you go ahead and hit that pause button and leave this show right now, a five-star rating and review on Apple podcast, Spotify, or however you are Listening to this podcast, that would be great. If you're not already, don't forget, folks, sportsrenaissance man. sub Type in your email, all kinds of great written content coming to you on that front. Sportsrenaissance man. sub Type in your email, that simple. And of course, we're on YouTube. Go check out our YouTube page at uh, the Chase Thomas Podcast, youtube.com, Chase Thomas Podcast. You'll find us there. Hit that subscribe button and watch all of our awesome clips and videos and all that good stuff. So, uh that'll do it for this edition of the program uh thank you again and uh uncle derek how'd i do
2: nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah